Welcome back. This is the soft count. Game two of the Celtics Golden State Warriors is in the books. Kind of went the way I expected this time. Al Horford had two points. <laughs> Marcus Smart had two points. Jalen Brown had 17 points. They're going to need Jalen to get 25 and Jason Tatum to get 35. There's just no other path to victory. Those guys have to do 25 and 35. If they can't, then they need Al Horford to get 30, which is not going to happen more than once in a series. But the fact that it can happen once in a series is remarkable. Steph Curry, 29 points. You know, he's a 30-point guy. He shot okay from the three-point line, 40%. The whole team thought shot 40%. The big concern everybody has about Golden State right now is what's up with Klay Thompson. He got you 11 points. He was four for 19. Ugh. It's time to give Wiggins more minutes, but even Wiggins only had 11 points. Draymond Green had nine points. Kevon Looney was the second leading scorer. Wait, let me double check that. No. Jordan Poole ended up being the second leading scorer, but he only had 17 points, and he came off the bench. He did have that sick-ass half-point shot at the end of the third quarter that was just, I mean, your eyes light up. You're like, oh, my God. How? Gary Payton only gave you seven points, but he was plus 15. Uh, Kevon Looney was plus 24. Curry, 24. Draymond Green's only plus seven. I hear Colin, like, raving about that. I'm like, man, almost everybody else on the team is plus way more than that. <laughs> I don't get it. Whatever. I don't, you know, whatever. Draymond Green only had nine points. He only had five rebounds. That's that's what drives me crazy is I keep hearing these Rodman comparisons. But he only had he only gets, like, five rebounds. He gets assists. Like, I don't really know who you compare him to. I guess... I mean, in a weird way, he tries to do what LeBron does at his size as a power forward. He just can't score. I mean, seven assists is pretty good. But I'll, I'll say this about some of those assists. One of them, at least one of them, if not two, but the one I'm thinking of, he, he they pass him the ball and he's wide open at the three and he kind of pump fakes it and thinks better of it and kind of kicks it down to uh, Looney who just kind of throws one up and it went in. It, you know, it wasn't like he hit him in stride or anything. Like, he just bailed out, like, I don't want this. And uh, he didn't set the guy up or anything. He The, the guy just shot a, a ball up and it bounced around and went in, and that's an assist. I, I just, I don't know. I'm not into it. I still, I'm still taking Golden State in five. I mean, they, I just don't see any path to victory for, for Boston. Jason Tatum's afraid. J- Jalen Brown is the only dude, him and Derek White, those two guys are not afraid to be out there. I see Marcus Smart arguing with Draymond Green. You got two points, you know, five assi- less assists than him. You're minus 12. T- Tatum was minus 36 on the court. That's unacceptable. I don't need that. It's crazy. Really disappointing performance for the Celtics, I'm sure, but I to me – that is what I've been expecting and what probably we're going to see more of going forward. Like I said, Golden State gives you one bad game, and I kind of had a feeling it'd be their first one. And then after that, they're like, we're not doing that again. I mean, they didn't even play that well. They shot 40% from the three, which is what they always do. <laughs> you know, it's just basically that one game, they, they made 11 threes in the fourth quarter. And now if Boston can't, and I said they can't replicate that. So what is the path to victory? Tatum getting 35, Brown getting 25. 
but 28 and 17 ain't going to get it done. It's just not. I heard some people say Clay Thompson might play better away from Golden State, like at a, uh, on away games. Maybe the pressure of being at home is kind of getting to him. I'm not really sure. He's just missing shots. And it's some of them are hard. Some of them aren't. He's just missing right now. None of it has to do with explosion in his knee. It's like in his head. So he just has to shoot better. Like they don't need him to, you know, ISO and cross people up and get, you know, his own shot. He gets he gets open off the of screens even with his bum knee or leg or whatever the fuck's wrong with him. Uh, he still shoots the ball and gets an open enough to shoot the ball. He's just missing. And some of that's just rust, and he's in the finals, and he's freaking, you know, which is fine. So just a little heads up. Another monsoon is coming in. Probably have some thunder weather kind of thunderstorms, thunder lightning shit going on here in the next 30 or 40 minutes. Uh, I'm trying to, I'll do my best to make it not a problem. There was a couple kind of crazy couple things that happened one i thought they were doing i guess i thought they were doing two events in london i knew the event coming up was in london but for some reason i was listening to a ufc thing on espn and i guess maybe the announcer got it wrong and then with the hours being so strange and then none of the stuff being ready on time like it usually was it just threw me off when i got up on uh saturday morning the fight started at one i woke up and they finally did kind of when you went online you could see everybody and i'm kind of one of these people I have a set of fighters that I bet on all the time, and I know most of the fighters by name. And then there's a handful of the undercard people that I remember by face. And then when I see them, I'm like, oh, my God, that guy. And then I, and I remember everything about them every, every time I've seen him fight. One of those guys on the card was Jeffrey Molina. And I re, I, part of the reason I forgot who that was is because I think of him as El Jefe. Right? I, I go with their, their fucking nicknames sometimes. But he was one of the guys I made some money on this weekend. I didn't actually even mention him on my picks, but when I saw him before the fights, I was like, oh, my God, it's Jeffrey Molina. He's sick. He was still minus 175, but he's just one of those guys that those odds are not going to get much better as it goes forward because he's kind of proven to be a, a really scrappy dude, and he's you're probably not going to see him that low again. He'll probably be like minus 200. It depends on who he fights next, but he's coming up. He's a really nice nice fighter. He was wearing the uh, gay pride shorts, and after the fight, or after, you know, I guess he was getting a lot of shit about that, and he was kind of shocked as he was sitting on the podium. Like, I thought we were, like, way past the shit, right? Like, am I really defending this? Uh, so he was kind of shocked by that. If you've ever been to a UFC event, it's really not that shocking. <laughs> I love UFC. But, and it, it really, if you've ever been to any sporting event, if you've ever been anywhere where there's a lot of people, they're just... It's just not surprising to me that you would get shit about wearing those. I'd wear them just to give people shit. I, I'm not like an ally or an enemy of anyone. Like I'm not for anything or anyone. I just don't care what anybody does. And so for me, it's like if I do were to choose a side, it's like yeah, I'm an ally and I'll, I'll wear these just to piss off the people that it, that it bothers because I'm I've always thought like why does it bother you? Like I don't give a fuck about anyone at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, what you do is you. I don't, I don't give a shit. Anyway, so Jeffrey was kind of upset about that after the fight. Made some comments about it. Good for him. Jeffrey Molina got the win. He's a sweet dude. 
J.J. Aldridge put up a really nice fight against Aaron Blanchfield. So Aaron's like this up-and-comer. Everybody, they're really excited. I just never like a minus 400 odds fight as the first fight of the night. Like, there's no way that you're minus 400. And she wasn't. In the fight, as you watched it go on, J.J. really had a shot. She just got, she just fucked up. She got caught in a standing position and took a kind of a weird knee and, uh, or took like a weird... She took like a weird arm bar and got a standing submission. It was it was wild. But she was getting beat up most of the fight. JJ looked really good, and I was pretty impressed, even though she lost. Still, nice fighter. Really good shape, too. She came in really good shape. I think she might have been a, a substitute fighter, but I was impressed. She was plus 400 and really and dug it out anyway. Another really funny fight on the night was the Daniel Argueta and Damon Jackson fight. Damon Jackson was like minus 650 before the fight started. Daniel Argueta, Argueta was a like substitute fighter. He, he filled in for, who was it, Derek Minner. And I love Derek. He's another guy that I like, Derek Elkins and all these guys. That like uh, He's one of those dudes I make a lot of money on. Derek Minner's a nice bet. Anyway, COVID or injury, something. So this guy that, this social media dude, said to Damon online, like, I'll fight you. And anyway, the fight ended up happening. And this dude put up a fantastic fight. He lost in a decision, which I, if I were to if I were to score that fight, the, the judges there had the fight being way one-sided. But Damon Jackson, he had a bunch of control time on the ground, like from his back with that dude's back. He was like on his back holding that guy from behind. And it was... He didn't do anything. He didn't do any damage. The dude really defended that position well for a, you know, a Damon Jackson who's like a high-level jiu-jitsu guy. And then Daniel started doing damage from that position with his elbows and punches, kind of behind his head punches. And at the end of the fight, Damon Jackson was all fucked up. His face was fucked up. And they, they did get into a couple standing fights where Daniel fucked him up in the stand-up. And then they just went back to the ground and got more control time. But I think the end fight was like 123 strikes to 43 strikes with 10 minutes of control time to one dude. And they gave it to Damon Jackson. Now, Damon was losing his shit in that fight. He was getting upset. And some of that is you got called out by a dude on the Internet who's a plus 500 underdog, and he's kind of whipping your ass. And at the very least, it doesn't look easy for you. And when you're a minus 600 favorite, like, it should look easy. And when it doesn't, you either think, okay, this guy's really overrated or this dude that's coming in is really underrated. There's no gray area. Like, something is fucked up here. Like, Damon's either not as good as they think or this dude's, like, out of nowhere a lot better than people think. Either way, Damon feels bad in the ring when he's not winning in a dominant fashion. And so he was kind of throwing a fit the whole time. It was kind of cracking me up. Good fight overall, though. It was actually a great fight, and Damon had a big fucking dinger on his eye. His eye was all closed up and shit. He was, it, yeah, good fight. Uh, another good fight. <laughs> if you guys haven't, this is a dude I'll probably not sleep on ever again. And this was another name that I, I it slipped my mind. I actually got him confused with another Sandini guy. But this Benoit Saint-Denis dude or Benoit I don't know how they I think they said Benoit on TV which I thought was really strange uh Benoit Saint-Denis French he was in the SAS I've seen him fight a couple times now and he he's now officially on my not betting against this guy radar he is fantastic and you can't hurt him 
Nicholas Stolze is this German dude, real tall, lanky dude, really sharp elbows and knees. Right at the beginning, cracked Sandini with a knee into the, in the under the eye, and it was one of the most ugly cuts under his eye. I was like, oh fuck! Yeah, I mean, it was bleeding like crazy. And but Sandini like took no, it just didn't even phase him at all. He took a couple hits that were just unreal. But his ground game is fantastic. His stand-up game is fantastic. He's the first military dude where I'm like, holy shit. Like, this guy is a fucking killer. And he is. And he was plus 140. It was an upset, which I was kind of surprised by. Uh, Sandini's fucking sweet. If you guys haven't seen him fight yet, make sure you do. And next time, he's not going to be plus 140. He'll probably be minus 100, minus 150. Take that bet, and then when you see him fight again, he's probably going to be like minus 175. It'll just keep going up as he wins. Uh, but he is fantastic. Great, great fighter. Alonzo Menafield, he was minus 238 against this Oscar Mazarov guy who is from the Ukraine, I guess. And he, uh, I saw an article before the fight about him being like the Conor McGregor of Ukraine. I don't know what the hell it was. He's all tatted up and big. And really didn't do much at all. Uh, apparently, they get, he kind of got into a shit-talking match with Alonzo Menafield, and then Menafield really punished him. I mean, some some of the most... He got him in a crucifix and gave him some of the worst elbows I've seen in a long time. Fucking sweet. Ode Osborne, as I expected. That dude is fucking killer. Our uh, couple of our bets... I actually had Ode by a knockout. That was one of the... One of the best bets I gave on the fight night pickums. Ode Osborne by knockout. That paid out. Alonzo Minifield, that paid out. My favorite was the Tony Gravely. That paid out. He actually got the knockout, too, and I'd mentioned that. I'd be like, it'd be sweet if Tony can get a knockout this time because he's got a lot of decisions. He's a wrestler. Really nice fighter, though. Watch out for him. He's he's just getting better. Danny Ige put up a nice little fight. He lost. The guy he fought is... I can't even fuck. I'm not even going to try to say his name. Mazvar is his last name or first name. I don't know. He's a young dude, and he's definitely he's built like fucking Kamaro Usman or something. He's really jacked, like cut, cut with like fucking chest muscle tits. Like he's different looking, but I don't see it. I I know a lot of people say this guy's striking is amazing, his ground games, and they were all talking all this shit. Uh, like the three guys in the on the booth were just losing their shit over him. He just looks a little slow and kind of lost. Dan Ige gave him some problems in the first round. He gave him some, I mean, Dan hit him a few times where I was like, holy shit. Dan's got knockout power though. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not all in on that guy yet. Not all in. Alexander Volkov in the Jaisinro Rosenstrike fight was the headliner. I took Jaisinro on the pod. I had money on both of them. My, a good friend of mine, as the fight was kind of happening, and I was at, 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 so like I said, about an hour before the fight, I saw the weigh-ins of everybody, and I actually got to see him face off for the first time. And I didn't realize, I mean, Jaisinro is one of the biggest dudes I've ever seen, and he looked like a child next to Alexander Volkov. Now, I thought the speed might be a problem for Volkov, but Jaisinro only closed the distance one time and took a couple wild swings at his face, missed, and he took this uppercut as he was kind of backing up. He, got, he took this uppercut in the middle of all that and backed up, and you knew. It was like, oh, shit. And then uh, the, I think the ref, listen, that fight definitely got stopped uh, by accident in some ways. 
where you would look at that and think, okay, he wasn't knocked out. He could have kept going. However, this is what I'll say in defense of Herb Dean and what, what actually happened. He got wobbled and fell up against the fence. So Volkov wobbles him with a punch, and he appears to like like a knockout punch. And he kind of falls back to the fence, and he's losing his shit. And as he rolls over, he gives his back up to get away. And he's taking punches the entire time to the head, like vicious hooks to the head as he's trying to regain his consciousness from this wobble. And he turns away from Volkov, and that's when he goes in and stops the fight. Once you turn your back on somebody after getting fucking your bell rang, I'm fine with any referee that stops the fight. Like, you turned your back. It's over. Like, you can't turn your back in a fight at all. And especially after you get hit like that, it's clearly like you're not punching a guy up against the fence and then you back off and turn around and kind of showboat or something. It's like, no, you get, you're getting repeatedly hit with blows. Even though you're not knocked out, it looked like you could have been. And then you turned your back and it's like, I got to save you now. And it didn't appear Jaisinero was too upset at the end. He's like, he, I think he realized what he had did. It's like, he was like, oh, shit. It's like, yeah, dude, you can't turn away. It's It, it just, as a ref, I'm trying to save your life. And if you turn your back, it's like you're giving up. It's it's it just uh, I don't blame I don't blame the stoppage. Obviously, Jaisinro Rosenstrike could have kept going. Obviously, he wasn't knocked out. But if you're the referee in the ring, you just can't take that chance. All the body language pointed to he might have just been knocked out, and now he's turning away. And so I, I didn't have a problem with it. I typically don't have a problem with stoppages. The only time you really anybody should have a problem with a stoppage is if somebody stops it too late. An early stoppage, it's just one of those things. You can always look at something, and, and you're not in there hearing what's going on. Those guys are saying stuff throughout the fight that you don't hear. They're moaning. They're fucking – the ref has a good grasp on these two guys in the, in the fucking octagon and things that as a person watching on TV, you just can't pick up. And so I, I, t- I very rarely have a problem. Usually the fighter gives a ref a reason to stop the fight. And so you just have to not give them a reason. That's that if you get wobbled right then and there, it's the red light should be flashing. Like I got to make sure I don't turn my back and I got to make sure I keep my fucking wits about me and I'm defending myself. The minute you stop defending yourself and roll away after you've been fucking jacked, it's over. Rain is really picking up now. So we got through some of that. Uh, We did really well as far as overall picks. I mean, really the Volkov fight was the only one I didn't, I didn't hit right as far as the podcast concerned. As my private betting, it wasn't too big of a deal. I didn't make – I broke even pretty much. Didn't didn't do super well. Um, I thought Pollyanna Botello would be a better fighter. She, she didn't really perform that great. It was just um, – it was a long night of fights, and there were some really interesting ones. Some of the undercard fights, though, guys to watch out for, I'll say right now, Ode Osborne, Alonzo Menafield, Benoit Saint-Denis, and Tony Gravely and Jeffrey Molina. All those fighters I just gave out, watch out for those guys in the future. They're going to be able to make you some money. Azerbaijan, F1 fans out there is this weekend. Max Verstappen's plus 125 uh, for qualifying. Leclerc's plus 100. I'll say this. Leclerc at plus 100 to win the quali is a pretty nice bet. He can usually give you the fastest lap. But he's really struggling defending against Max Verstappen in the first 10 laps. He, he's coming out, and he usually gets the first corner. 
but the Red Bull car is just too fast, and it eventually catches him, and he just can't defend the whole time. And that one race earlier, we saw him trade back and forth a few times, but it's like once Max gets him right now, the, the Ferrari's having a hard time catching up and, and getting the overtake. I'm not really expecting a – I think to, this weekend is probably going to be the first weekend where we see Charles and Max really go at it again. The last several races have been something's gone wrong with e- either of their cars. They haven't really been a – they've both been dominant, but one of them's not been in the race when the other one's being dominant. So I think this weekend is going to be the first weekend where we really see Max and Leclerc get it get at it um if there is a if there is touching or those two guys were to wreck watch out for you know signs and perez perez is really fast right now and i really like him they just re-signed him for a longer contract so i know uh what's his name pierre gasly's probably pretty upset but pierre's at a good spot he needs to just stay there i mean not every team can win so just be happier in formula one but sergio perez is is has earned his spot now and honestly if Perez were to get a win this weekend, he'd be the favorite to win the world championship. And Red Bull's going to have to make some decisions on who they're really pushing for. It's really hard. You saw it with Lewis and Nico. Like, it's hard when you have two guys in the in the fight because they both believe they can win it. And they're all and then all of a sudden, they're not teammates anymore. <laughs> this weekend's going to be wild. It's going to set up the rest of the, the season. If Leclerc gets a DNF this weekend and Max and Sergio go head-to-head and Sergio wins, holy shit, watch out. The rest of the season is going to be fire in the Red Bull garage. Max and Sergio are going to start disliking each other. Max will be quick to it. His dad's fucking nuts. Yas Verstappen, he was a driver. And he like is vicariously living through his son. And the dude is intense. And he will be sowing the hate for Sergio Perez really early, if not already. George Russell's been awesome. It is concern. It is it is shocking that he that he's so much faster than Lewis right now. And a lot of people want to say, "Oh, they're in the same machine." No, they're not. the The two cars being built have different engineers. They have different mechanics on both sides of the garage. They're never identical. The cars are never identical, no matter who says they are. You know, Mattia Bonotto can come out and say both cars are the same. They're not. For one. They're made by different teams of people. Even though they both have Ferrari shirts on, they're not the same human being. And therefore, everything about the car, little tiny details add up over time to where it's not the same car now. And so Russell's car is faster than Lewis. I don't believe Russell's a better driver than Lewis. They're, they're both really good. Lewis, is he came back from like 15th to 6th the other night. Like He is a baller. His car is not as good as George's right now. Something's something's wrong. So they'll have to look at that. They got to figure out that problem. Mercedes is out of it for the year, though. They're they're not in the world championship race. So it is fun to just kind of watch and see how that how that pans out and what Lewis is going to do after this season. I mean, if I'm Lewis, he's always mentioned going to Ferrari. Like it's like one of his dreams. You know, one of those things. I need to go there and win. I'd be going fucking now. I'd I'd, I'd tell Ferrari like, sorry, Carlos, you're out. We're bringing in Lewis Hamilton. I, I would. I don't give a shit. But I'm American. There's all kinds of problems with that. There's, like, all kinds of fucking racial things with Ferrari. Like, they, they like to have people that can speak certain languages and shit on their team. It's a, whole, it's a whole thing there. They're really cut off from the rest of the Formula One world, which I don't know if the common fan realizes. Information gets passed between McLaren, Mercedes, Red Bull. They're all in the same place, kind of like Silicon Valley is for tech. Formula One is like that. 
and the only team that's not there is Ferrari. They have their own little thing going on, and they always have. Should be a sweet race. This coming weekend's the big, the big shit, right? The UFC, it's in Singapore. Man, I would do fucking anything to go to this fight. <laughs> For one, my favorite Formula One race is the Singapore race. It's at night, and the lights, and the buildings, it's like fucking magical. And I had a couple of my friends, I was like, dude, I would do anything to go. He's like, why the fuck would you go to Singapore? And it's like, oh, a little thunder. Uh, I'll tell you why. It looks fucking insane. I, I would do anything. Looks really dope. I'm going to just talk about the three headlining fights, maybe a couple fights. i got to get off here. The thunder is really going to pick up, and it's going to be difficult for me to finish this podcast with uh, all the noise. You can probably already hear the rain going. Maybe it sounds nice. probably sounds like shit. But uh, Jiri and Glover, listen, Jiri's minus 196 to win, and he's the he's not the champ, and Glover is. Jiri Porzhaka is fucking terrifying. He has it all. Glover finally got the belt. I don't know. I don't believe he can get a, a belt defense on. I think he's probably got it. He should be happy with that. He's 42 years old, which is nuts. And he's fighting Jiri in Singapore. That shit's going to be off the chain. Ugh, I want to go so bad. Uh, and then the other co-main event is Valentina Shevchenko and Talia Santos. The odds on this fight are insane. Talia, it's there's just not enough women to even throw at Valentina at this point. She's just destroyed everybody. And so Talia's like, what's left? And she's actually a nice fighter, but I don't see it. Valentina is the real deal. And then the fight before that is Wei Li Zhang. She's coming back to try to revive her career. We'll see. She To me, if there for a while, I thought it's her, Valentina, and Amanda Nunes are the three best female fighters in the world. Wei Li has to find something. She's lost whatever it is that made her great, and I'm not sure what it was. And there'll be some more fights throughout the week. I'll check back in uh, as the week goes on. I'm watching hockey, watching basketball. We'll give you guys some best bets and some fight night pickems as the week goes on. But as this storm picks up, I gotta I gotta hop off here and get our pod up for our Monday night pod. So anyway, super stoked to be here this week. Fights are gonna be awesome. The race is gonna be awesome. Finals are awesome. Hockey's awesome. There's like all kinds of shit going on, and it's crazy. I've barely even talked about football. I want to talk more football, especially as Deshaun, the Deshaun Watson shit's really heating up. He's got two more women that have come out and said that he did some weird shit. None of them have said that like he held him down and raped him. He, and his lawyer came out and said he didn't do anything illegal. And it's like I don't know if one of the things I read is like he was he just like rolled over and was ejaculating. And it was like, and as I think about that, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely fucked up. But like, I don't know where what. What law is he breaking? I don't, it is the craziest situation I've ever heard of. It's crazy. Um, so that's heating up. Baker wants out. They don't want to let him go. They need him. <laughs> they fucking need Baker. I love it. You guys have a good day. I'll talk to you in the next couple days. Peace.